Hello, and welcome to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow, and today we are looking at the final episode of The Critic Season 2, also the final episode uh, that aired on television. We've we've finally arrived. It's I Can't Believe It's a Clip Show, Season 2, Episode 10. And joining me to go through this uh, final Critic episode is writer Michelle Lichand. Hello, Michelle. Hi there. Hello, hello, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Um... I can't believe I'm can't be- I can't believe it's a clip show. I can't believe I this episode. <laughs> I know, right? What a what a weird, you know, like episode format for them to to end on. Um I guess that would be my first question. Do you think they planned it? Do you think they were like, okay, this is the last episode of this season? Or do you think it was like this was like the eighth or seventh episode? Oh, well, so I actually got to interview um mike reese the co-creator of the show and he told me season three was written when they found out it had been canceled so they were definitely planning on a season three and uh those those scripts are still out there he says i think they're probably like you know sitting in uh uh, al gene's basement or something but um al gene i will pay you money i want to read those (laughs) Oh yeah, I like God. I I would give anything just to get a look at those scripts. I, I can only imagine what's what's in there. Um, but yeah. So you you were telling me. So we we haven't really uh, met, or you know, we're we're kind of um, we're just getting introduced to each other. But you you um, I know you were a big uh, critic fan. You were very enthusiastic about wanting to uh, do this show. Um, so yeah, tell me about uh, your relationship to the critic. I am originally from Brazil. I only moved to the U.S. a couple of years back, and one of the shows I used to learn English was the critic. Uh, that was one of the first shows I watched when I wanted to learn. Like, okay, turn the subtitles off. Let's actually test my English. And as a result. The Critic kind of became what The Simpsons is to many people. It's not like I haven't seen The Simpsons. Of course, I've seen The Simpsons. It aired on television back there. But The Critic was The Simpsons to me. Like The Critic was the show that I was always like, this is amazing. This is so good. And I would tell people, like, have you seen The Critic? And they'd be like, get away from me. I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's It was always just like my precious little show, especially in Brazil. Like The amount of people I remember, to, I can... One person. That's that's one Brazilian person that I know has seen the critic. Wow. Well, I can't believe it was on in uh, Brazil. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> it wasn't. Oh. Okay. I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. This was. Uh. It actually still is. This surprised me. The critic is one of those shows you can still find the entirety of which on YouTube. <laughs> I think the other one, which was just as influential for me, was Clone High. Uh, okay. Also another show you can just find all of it on YouTube, and I'm like, thank God! Please do not, <laughs> do not take it off because I, I imagine there's a bunch of people who are also finding out about the critic and Clone High just because it's all on YouTube. Yeah, just these shows that lasted like a season or two, and just I don't know, they just got forgotten, or just no one cares enough to uh, enforce copyright. That yeah, you can just upload them. And then they just stay up there. Yeah. And also another one that's 
that one this one really confuses me mr show is all on youtube oh like, literally entire episodes including the hbo indent so it's like <laughs> does nobody care like what's going on that mr show a show featuring two highly popular comedians on a very very expensive network do they just not care? Like, I really want to know what goes into what, what, what makes somebody be like, you know what? This show, we'll let them put on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's interesting because I remember when uh, HBO Go first became a thing, Mr. Show wasn't on there. And then they added it later. And I was like all excited, even though I do own Mr. Show on DVD and I've seen it a million times already. But yeah, still cool that they finally added it. And yeah, just another kind of lesser known, uh, not as well loved, I guess, uh, a comedy show. It's it's interesting how that happens. Um, I guess it's I I think they are more serious about enforcing music for whatever reason online than TV than, shows. Than TV shows, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. So, like, I know that's a reason that um, I think it was, like, Beavis and Butthead or Daria or one of those shows like that that had a lot of, like, licensed music from a lot of different bands, like, couldn't get re-released just because of all the music rights. There's a comedy show I love that I always wish had a DVD release but never got it because of that, because of the licensed music. And I hate that I don't remember the name of it. Oh, Oh God! I probably remember it like in, towards the end of the episode, but licensed music has always been like my biggest enemy when it comes because all the yeah. shows I like, for some reason, <laughs> have a lot of licensed music. <laughs> so they're like, uh, uh, no, you're never gonna find this show anywhere. Yeah, interesting how that happens. I guess the the long arm of the recording industry uh, is stronger than the. TV industry, I guess. <laughs> I don't I yeah, don't really know. I remember I I had this writing teacher who worked on Cold Case and she told me that like the reason why Cold Case is never getting a DVD release is because of like licensing issues. Hmm. I was like, Cold Case, that was a really big TV show. And she's like, no, no, no. You're never gonna see it on t- on DVD because they licensed so much music. Wow. Yeah. Um but luckily, we do have the critic, and not not just on YouTube. Like, if you want to see it at full quality, it, it is actually available on Sony's um, streaming website, Crackle. Oh, bless uh, you, Crackle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as I've uh, mentioned a couple times on this show. Um, oh, but I, I actually saw recently, it just got re-released on DVD. So yeah, you can get the uh, critic box set. It's only like three discs but um yeah you can get the whole series on dvd in a fancy new package so um this is not an endorsement but yeah everyone can go out and get that if they want i am buying that today (laughs) all right awesome go for it cool so let's get into this episode so we begin much like you know the rest of the episodes do we are on jay's show but this is kind of a special show. It is the 10th anniversary of Jay's um, movie show, Coming Attractions, and they are doing it live from Carnegie Hall. 
Live from Carnegie Hall, it's the Coming Attractions 10th Anniversary Special with guest stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Milton Berle. And now, the man who's choking on a bagel backstage, Jay Sherman. So that's kind of a special thing. Carnegie Hall, a huge you know venue in uh, New York. And I like, as as they introduce Jay, he's choking on a bagel at, uh, backstage. And they say he's choking on a bagel. So. Yeah, the, the announcer even says it. And then, uh, just classic, they, like, Jay, he, like, pauses for applause or something like that. And then we see that the only people there are, like, his his family and his close friends. Yeah. And Doris. Oh, yeah. And Doris. Uh, and Duke is there, as we'll see. So, yeah, pretty much just the regular cast of this show. The first thing I, no- I noticed when I watched this episode, I really admire how the character of Jay isn't dumb. Mm-hmm. It's just that people don't like him. You know, the the popularity of his show is like one of the few consistent things on on the, 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 the show The Critic. Like, coming attractions, it's always referred to as, as like, Nobody watches it, but also everybody knows Jay as, like, that guy they don't like. And I realized, that, like, you can trace a, a direct line from Jay Sherman to Liz Lemon. Oh, like, yeah. Direct, because both are characters who are very, like, they're competent characters, but then you go watch the things they make and it sucks. <laughs> and Yeah. And also, they have a, a they love food. Uh, people have an inherent distaste slash dislike of them, you know? Yeah, uh, it's kind of insane how much you can draw like a line between those two characters. They both have rich bosses that they sort of get along with, but not really. Yeah, a lot of similarities there. Oh yeah, and then Jay he mentions. <laughs> I like this, like the kind of the fourth wall breaking. They uh, Jay says his show on ABC it was canceled due to politics. Welcome to my 10th anniversary show. Tonight, I'll be showing clips from my short-lived ABC series. You know why they canceled me? Politics. Steal some candy from the Olsen twins and you regret it the rest of your life. But then he says he also stole candy from the Olsen twins. (laughs) But I like that because, you know, the critic was originally on ABC before it switched uh, to Fox. Um, And then it was on uh, nothing because it got (laughs) canceled after this. That that canceled. I don't even know what the eb- episodes are. Are you gonna do the episodes? Oh yes, I am planning to do do to God do bless the episodes. God bless yeah. you. <laughs> just you know, just to be thorough. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna do the episodes. I'm also doing the the Simpsons episode with uh, where Jay Sherman is the the guest star. Can I say something about that episode? Yeah. When I first watched The Simpsons, I was already like I had seen the critic like 17 times, and when I found out that this episode was like Matt Groening was like I can't have my name on this episode. How dare you? I gotta check it out. I was like, wow, it must suck. I watched it. <laughs> that's the that's where the Steven Spielberg joke comes from. That's where the put it in my veins joke yeah. comes from. Like that episode is great. And and Boo Earns and. Yeah, a lot of I a lot of yeah, a lot of memorable stuff in that episode. So, so yeah, Matt Groening was against it just from a, a f- philosophical perspective. It had nothing to do with the quality of of the actual show. Um, it was a great episode. So, so what happened, Matt? That I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, seeing The Simpsons nowadays, he just yeah. <laughs> 
I yeah, I mean, he, he just about that much. yeah, he just didn't want to promote another show for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, so okay, so at this point, here's where we start getting into Jay is showing lots of he's like, he, I, I I like the 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 frame like the um yeah like the setup they have for this episode where Jay is like you know here's some of my best film reviews or whatever when really they're just clips from other critic episodes that we've already seen so i'm just gonna kind of briefly go over these if you have anything to say about these please you know interrupt me because i i do have to ask i saw i think on a review or something that some of these clips are new right or are all of them just hmm. repeats from previous episodes i'm pretty sure these are all repeats they all they were all familiar to me i never i don't remember seeing the uh robo robocop clapper bot parody okay i that one felt to me like it was a bit new that i definitely remember seeing um so yeah pretty sure everything in here is from an actual episode but yeah so we get the first one is uh arthur three revenge of the liver so the uh the arthur the dudley moore character he's popped up in a lot of different episodes but i think this was the first time we saw him arthur I'm afraid you have acute cirrhosis. And you have a cute little butt. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Your pancreas is swollen to the size of a basketball. Oh, no wonder I dribble so much. <laughs> Where he's just, yeah, incredibly drunk, uh, so much so that it <laughs> it's, har- it's harming his health, but he doesn't care. Deadly Moore, one of the consistent targets for the critic. And it's just one of the reasons why I love this show is because it's like this um, time capsule of pop culture for people, for, for men in their 40s and 50s in, yeah. 19, in the 1990s. <laughs> so it's a bunch of references that nobody today would get. Like nobody knows who Arthur yeah. is. <laughs> it's nobody knows what Wolf was. There's so many, right. <laughs> so many references and so many jokes that they make in the critic that just. And it's funny because in other, any other show, you would watch that and be like, wow, that aged poorly. But in The Critic, it kind of works. It makes <laughs> it feel a little bit timeless for some reason. Like when I see an Arthur joke, I'm like, right, of course, Arthur, that classic <laughs> character everybody talks about. Yeah, because like... I, I just, I really like those. Well, yeah, because there definitely weren't other shows making fun of Arthur, I don't think. That was definitely unique to The Critic. Um so, uh, yeah, definitely like definitely a, a snapshot of 90s pop culture, but it's also unique just in the fact that, you know, they were the only one doing it in that certain way. So after the after Arthur three, we get Honey, I Ate the Kids with uh, Hannibal Lecter and Clarice from Silence of the Lambs. I don't know. I really liked that one. Um, just he ate good. the kids. Like yeah. <laughs> Simple, simple to the point. That to me is what differentiates the critic from something like Robot Chicken or even Family Guy. I feel like the critics' jokes, they come from the same place where it's like, what if one thing was like another thing? But the critic just kind of gets to the point faster, you know? Like I, I always think about my favorite my favorite critic joke is Apocalypse Wow. Which I no, I memorized that song before <laughs> I ever saw Apocalypse Now, like the Howdy Do I'm Captain Kurtz, Fred and old like old Fred Mertz. Watch me do a hula dance to shake the egg rolls from my pants. 
He's not so bad. He's really just an odd man. And I shave my hair like Dennis Rodman. He's a god man. I knew that song by wow. heart before I ever saw a single <laughs> frame of Apocalypse Wow. And I feel like the reason why that joke sticks in my head much more than, I don't know, like Robot Chicken when they were like, what if the Transformers had sex? Is because mm. it it's very specific. It's like, and it goes straight to it. It's yeah. Apocalypse Now, but it's a musical. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow, that was very good. I, not even I have that whole thing memorized. That's very impressive. I have I have entire jokes from the critic memorized. Like, buy my book. Buy my book. He shoots at the thing. Sorry, mate. I had to do it. What's, what, what's the matter with you? All he was saying was, buy my book. Buy my book. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, I have. So, it's just it lives in my head rent free as the as the kids know. Yeah. Today. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, of course. Um, but yeah, wow, that's that's awesome. <laughs> so then, uh, we see Duke Phillips backstage, uh, saying, that, "I mean, this is more fourth wall, uh, joking, but I, I really love this one where he says, you know, <laughs> I tell you, this is a gold mine. We promise them a special, then just show a bunch of old clips. I even hired non-union cameramen. Get that camera off me." And his cameramen are not in union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is why they're filming him, which is another one of those. I really like, I'm sorry. I, it's just going to turn into like me saying things I like about this show. <laughs> but I like it when they do like these cartoon gags and then they dissect the logic behind them. It reminds me of the one from, from the episode where Jay's parents go missing. Where it's like, I'll go talk, I'll go talk to the pilot. And it's like, a penguin and he's yeah. been drinking. It's like, wait a minute, penguins can't fly, <laughs> penguins can't fly. And that's yeah. when the plane drops. That's, I really like that. It's a show, it's, the critic manages to be grounded, but also very cartoony in its existence. Oh, yeah. I just love whenever they, you know, drop the realism and go full cartoon mode. It's It's usually really, really good. By the way, question, what is the name of that black guy who always appears whenever there's, like, some kind of Duke scene? You know, the guy with the glasses. Oh. Does he have a name, that character? I don't know if they ever give him a name. He's just, like, Duke's assistant. He's, like, the original Smithers because right. Smithers started out black on uh, The Simpsons, but then they were like, you know, it's kind of a bad look to have the servant character be black, but... I guess no one told the critic. And they were like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. No more black characters. <laughs> we're going to have just three of them. And everyone's going to be happy with it. Yeah, exactly. Though I think they're they're better now, though. Like, the whole... There's that whole thing with um, Apu, uh, you know, being voiced by a white dude. Then they, they stopped that. And I think even um, Dr. Hibbert now is, is voiced by a black actor. Yeah, Dr. Hibbert is Kevin Michael Richardson. Okay, cool. And also, Carl is a black guy too, which is like, I personally to the to the audience, I am black. I personally get what they're doing. It, it's just like, it's like okay. I'm like, yep. <laughs> it's like by this point, you could have had a chicken voice of poo, and it's like that would have been like, yeah, that sure sounds like The Simpsons in 2021. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so th th that's a problem the show didn't have because it's not like they had white actors voicing black characters and uh this is a joke because they did uh <laughs> but but also i get i i felt like the critic i'm willing to at least cut a little bit of slack because maurice lamarch voicing 90 percent of the characters is part of the charm of the show mm -hmm. 
that they just have this one guy doing literally every other voice. Um, so I'm going to give them a little bit of slack. But watch it. You're in thin ice, cartoon from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, watch out, critic. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to get canceled again, again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then we get, yeah, Jack Nicholson in Chicken, the sequel to Wolf, uh, which I've never actually seen. But yet. I get it. He's a werewolf, whatever. So he turns into a chicken. My Jack Nicholson impression is just Maurice LaMarche's impression of Jack Nicholson. Ah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, my even to the point where the... You know, like how whenever you do impression, you have a word you repeat to get onto it? I don't know sure. what it's called. But mine for Jack Nicholson is always, you talk like me, you act like me, you don't have an original bone in your body, which is thrown there a feel-good man parody. <laughs> right. So it's literally just me doing those. And it's the same for Al Pacino. That's I just do the uh hoo-ha. That's all I do. <laughs> also, which of is course. funny because I don't know where that's from. I've never seen an Al Pacino movie where he says hoo-ha. Like, is that a hmm. thing he used to do? Uh I mean I have to assume it's an exaggeration of whatever he did do, but it, it might be from Scent of a Woman or possibly Heat. Just any of those movies where he's just always really hyper and intense. Um, I don't know for sure. So then we finally get into, like, the little bit of plot that makes this episode unique. Um, a bunch of uh, terrorists uh, sneak in uh, backstage past the, like, the teenage security guard. Hey, who are you guys? We are caterers. You're pretty heavily armed for caterers. We took the subway. You're pretty lightly armed for the subway. And 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 actually only watching it this time it clicked like, oh, it's a diehard parody, right? right? Like I feel like that was their idea, but they didn't want to have the main guy sound like Alan Rickman for some reason. Yeah, Which but is they cuz <laughs> cuz I know they did a diehard parody and they had a really good Alan Rickman impression. Yeah, but they just give the guy, like, a goatee and a different foreign accent so we still know right away that he's evil. Right. So they will be coming up later, but <laughs> first we get Jay with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as, uh, where Jay is, like, pretending to be a puppet named Knothead. Not a movie parody, just, I don't know, random clip from the critic. Then yeah. uh, Jay shows Jurassic Park 2... Which, of course, this came out before the actual Jurassic Park 2. But um, I love this clip with the uh, the Velociraptor like being really intelligent and speaking English and everything. You may have us, but you'll never get off the island. I beg to differ. For you see, the other raptors and I have constructed a crude suspension bridge to Venezuela. Once there, I shall lie low and assume odd jobs under the name Mr. Pilkington. But perhaps I've said too much. I'm pretty sure in the early days of YouTube, the the, the long gone era of 2007, two <laughs> clips that got me into the critic were were this one, where it's I'll assume uh, under the name Mr. Pilkington, but I've said too much, and the Penguin one. Those are the two clips I used to watch <laughs> so much. Uh, I it actually makes me think like the clip show format. It exists because of like budget reasons. They need to have a clip show uh, because they don't have money. But it's funny how like YouTube sort of became life's clip show in a way. We mm -hmm. we kind of get all the clip show needs we get from YouTube. 
because we could just go on YouTube and search up whatever clips we need. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you think about it, like the most recent examples of clip shows have been clipless clip shows where it's like they flashback to things that aren't clips, but they actually like they act like they were clips from the show. I'm thinking about like community did that a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I was also thinking like this specific clip show format, I, I only really know The Simpsons and The Critic. I don't know if other shows did that. Because most shows do the let's remember, let's sit around and remember things, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the classic sitcom format. It's uh, This isn't really a comedy, but the animated show Legend of Korra, they had to do a clip show. Uh, hmm. And two-thirds of the clip show were basically just the character sitting around and remembering things. But then the last third was a character re-narrating the, previ the, the previous seasons of the show, but giving it a, like a comedic twist. Hmm. And uh, it's like, that was really creative to me. You know, if you got to do a clip show, do something weird with it, you know? Like, sure. <laughs> go a little bit weirder. I mean, yeah, definitely give it more reason for people to watch you know make it unique as much as you can um which i think this episode does uh at least you know a little bit with the uh, whole terrorist uh, subplot all right so we get to jay shows the clip from Smokey and the spartacus with uh <laughs> kirk douglas uh you know jumping off of the crucifix as uh, tony curtis and i'm not sure who the other person on that card. Elizabeth Taylor? Probably. Like Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Spartacus, we rigged the chariot of the Centurion. Then let's rock and roll! <laughs> Nobody gets away from Centurion Buford C. Augustus! I love you, Spartacus. Can you explain to me the I love you, Spartacus joke? What is that? <laughs> oh, I think just there was a rumor that uh, Tony Curtis was gay. Oh. I think that's probably it. Pretty much all I, a lot of the things I know about uh, old Hollywood celebrities is because of the critic. Like, uh-huh. I had never seen a William Shatner movie or a Star Trek episode, but I knew the whole, like, great party isn't it buy my book buy my right. book <laughs> don't book out the juice rosie and all that uh I, I again this show informed so much of my view of the world it's kind of insane <laughs> In wow it's it's it was just like i was watching it so much and i was like yes this is what popular culture is in america <laughs> which is weird because i had access to popular culture in america on yeah. the day but i was like right arthur and, uh, and Spartacus. And here's another one, because the next clip is a JFK clip. Back and to the left. 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 I've made a promise to myself to never see JFK because I think nothing will beat the idea of this play. <laughs> but I, to this day, whenever somebody says JFK, I go back to the left. Back yeah. <laughs> to the left. I don't know what this movie is about. All I know about it is back and to the left. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. Well, it, the uh, actual movie definitely would not measure up because it is uh, definitely not uh, like that. Although, <laughs> although it is long. Like the the joke is That's basically about the movie being long, and it's like three hours. Yeah. 
But anyway, so yeah, after uh, JFK, we get to, oh yeah, Jay introducing what is supposed to be his first guest, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he shows the clip of uh, Rabbi P.I. Eat lead, Rabbi. Sorry, that's not kosher. All right. If you are a real rabbi, circumcise this child. Ava Nagila, baby. It's a great, like, parody of, like, actual Schwarzenegger films. He's definitely just, like, kills people and then says a ridiculous one-liner. Ava Nagila, baby. <laughs> Which, as a young Jew, was like, yes, yes, I am Jewish, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, critic really great for, for Jewish representation. Absolutely. <laughs> to, to this day, I, I hear, I think I'm saying the words to this day so much, but to this day, I feel like a part of me, whenever I'm eating like food at a Jewish holiday, like back at home, I instinctively go, mach, 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 mach. <laughs> Cause wow. I, I think that's just a really good <laughs> eating sound. My God. You know what? <laughs> I... I don't know if I've ever met someone who loved the critic more than me. <laughs> I no, but you have to understand. Here's what I'll. Here's the thing. Um, back in two thousand and six, five, around that era, when I started really getting into the critic, two thousand seven, thanks to YouTube and the internet, like we could, we got like American movies and American TV shows, but there was always a noticeable delay in them, and the internet was kind of to me this very like. Now I can see exactly what they're watching as they're watching it. And that didn't really become, that didn't really like solidify for me until like 2012, which is when I started watching uh, The Daily Show and Colbert Report and Craig Ferguson. I used to watch those daily and those really like completely destroyed my life. But The Critic was like <laughs> one of the first shows I remember being like watching it entirely in English and being like, this is something that nobody in this entire country knows of. <laughs> Only I do, and I got that one guy, my friend, to watch it, and we both were like, "This is like just for us." And, but that was, but that also applied to things like Clone High. There used to be this old YouTube series of videos made inside a, ga a video game called Gary's Mod. That that was also like that for me. It was called Elliot Goes to School. That was another thing that me and my friend we really loved, and it just became like this window into another culture that I just became obsessed with. And over the years, every now and then, I go back to certain shows to like, I sit down and I go like, let me, let, I want to remember why I want to be a writer and a comedian. And it's like, it's always the critic. It's Harvey Birdman, attorney, attorney of law. Oh, hell yeah. It's <laughs> uh, community. It's 30 rock. It's those shows that I rewatch. And I'm like, right. This is why I want to do the stuff that, that I want to do. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, very cool. Wow. So, <laughs> all right. So we are supposed to get Arnold Schwarzenegger on uh, Jay's show, but uh, a guy comes out and says, you know, because Jay played the uh, <laughs> Arnold singing the dreidel song, his feelings got hurt, so he's uh, not coming. And then I love that we see, like, the the stage crew or whatever taking down the giant Schwarzenegger sign and they put it with all the other giant names that have canceled joke. on him. Stallone, Streep, De Niro. Yep. <laughs> and Chong. So like yeah. even even Tommy Chong, I'm assuming, uh canceled on him. Wow. That's great. <laughs>
that's a really good one um it, that joke is just like the another joke of that style that i like is when jay becomes a trucker and he steps out of the truck and the truck just floats up into the sky you <laughs> 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 just can't i right. uh that's another one of those i love um god Man, I-, I love the show sorry <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually an episode that i'm not that crazy about like uh the one where he becomes a truck driver i'm like it's the still the first season and you're already being like hey what if he doesn't want to be a critic anymore right. like come on you probably talked a lot about this but one of the most fascinating things to me was when i began talking to other people who watched the critic online and then they were like yeah it's really funny to look at like the identity crisis the show went through in the second season and i was just like what identity crisis it's like i knew that the show's design changed but i never really clocked how much the tone of the show changed right like i feel like the alice was a the character they added because somebody at some point was like jesus christ everyone hates jay everyone <laughs> loves yeah. this man like we got to give him one win like give him a, a single win and they added alice uh, which her episode has one of my favorite jokes. It's it's just like, he put it on his CD. I'm being unfaithful to my wife, Alice Tompkins. <laughs> you heard me, Alice Tompkins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, when I rewatch the critic, I'm always like very aware of how much they go like, yeah, we're getting tired with the movie parodies. Let's do something <laughs> else. Yeah, and um, I definitely noticed like if you watch like the end of season one straight into season two, you really pick up that shift. Cause uh, I believe the final episode of season one is where uh, Jay's mom writes the children's book. Right. So Jay just becomes a huge laughing stock and like his life gets ruined basically. Yeah. And then season two, he like, he meets Alice and she's like the best thing that ever happened to him. And like, it completely turns around and, yeah, it's very noticeable the the shift that that happens there. Thinking about also the um, another episode where the shift is noticeable is the Siskel and Ebert episode, mm. which I really like. Um, <laughs> you're Satan, aren't you? I'll get you <laughs> next time, Siskel. Uh, but compare that one to the episode where Jay goes to Los Angeles to write the sequel to Ghostbusters, basically. Oh yeah. Compare those two. The Cisco and Ebert episode, they're like, oh, hooray for Hollywood. Yeah. Meanwhile, the <laughs> the Ghostbusters sequel episode, it's just a hellhole. There's a joke about yeah. how... <laughs> There's a joke at the end where it's like, what do you think of my script? I hated it. You loved it? Yeah. I thought it was crummy. Yeah. You thought it was yummy? It's just... It's... I, I always... I, I think it's very interesting. And I honestly think it didn't... To me, it's not a bad shift. I always thought the second season was just as good and interesting as the first one. But I I love everything about this show. So <laughs> Yeah. Now, had you heard of Siskel and Ebert before you saw them on The Critic? No, that was the first time I saw Siskel and Ebert. And that was also my introduction to them. I got the, the vibe of like, these are popular people in America. But this was already like 2007, so Siskel had already died, and Ebert was about to, I think, have that surgery where he stopped talking. Oh, yeah. But after I watched that episode, I started looking into them, but it wasn't until about this year when I really started watching, thanks to quarantine, I really started watching a lot of OTV. Um, There's these YouTube channels 
this is a secret to you listeners. It's this YouTube channel called Don Giller. And it's this guy who does Letterman compilations. And I had never seen Letterman. Uh, like I said, okay. my late night show guy was Craig Ferguson straight through. But the Letterman compilations were amazing. And there was one where he did like seven parts, almost seven hours of Cisco Niebuhr and Letterman. And oh, wow. they were just so good. They were just so much fun. This is an amazing joke. And please, if you can, cut me telling the joke and just put the joke in it. What about this Hugh Grant situation? What the hell's going on there? You know, it, his arrest actually affected the way I viewed the movie Nine, nine Months. Nine Months. I'm watching Nine Months. It's supposed to be this light, breezy comedy. He's supposed to play a befuddled guy. He's blinking, you know, like There's some kind of innocent. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking, this is the guy that uh, had to have a hooker at one in the morning down on Sunset Boulevard. He's a gorgeous guy. He's involved with a gorgeous woman. And I'm thinking, this isn't no, any innocent. And I'm staring at him for about an hour and a half in this picture before he apologizes for his behavior in the film, uh -huh. where he's cheated on his girlfriend right. in the film, his wife in the film. And then I accepted him. But it really hurt the way I looked at the picture. Ever when, up uh, when you see Casablanca, does it depress you that all the people in it are dead? <laughs> <laughs> and Cisco just looks at him, was just completely silent. Like you can see, he's actually angry. But it's such a good joke. Like it's huh. one of my absolute favorite late night moments. Uh, oh that, man! That's and it all happened thanks to the critic. I don't think I would have gotten into Cisco and Newbert, <laughs> or even like had a minimal interest on them if it wasn't for the critic. Oh man, I kind of. Uh lost my spot here um right. <laughs> sorry about that the next one is the slide whistle one right yes so yeah we just got the joke with all the names on the hillside so yeah the next clip we see is uh the slide whistle parody of uh the piano the time has come for us to make love what do you think of me naked yeah really funny gag just I mean, the slide whistle is already funny by itself, and then just using it as a movie parody is just so much better. I hate to say this again. What is this a reference to? <laughs> oh, um, a movie called The Piano about a woman who, um, yeah, can't speak for whatever reason and just, yeah, just expresses herself through the piano. And it's like a, you know, God. like a serious drama. <laughs> this won an Oscar, I'm assuming probably right. uh yeah i don't think i've actually got seen it in the opening the opening uh oh that's opens. right i get, i think that is the same movie yeah where yeah she's playing the piano then a wave washes up and, and suddenly and she's playing plays it with her yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah same same movie yeah i guess they they really liked they must have really liked it <laughs> well it was this and arthur and uh coming up later in this episode howard stern oh yeah is what I have not gotten into. I don't get what his deal is, but okay. <laughs> I know that he asks people to show them their tits. I, I think that's the thing he does. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so actually, if you've never seen, like, Howard Stern made a movie about his life called Private Parts that kind of gets into his whole history with just like, yeah, he kind of got famous for being. Like, you know, the offensive guy who you never knew what he was going to say. And he would, like, interview porn stars and all this kind of different stuff. Um, so he was kind of like, you know, the the bad boy of radio back before, like, there was <laughs> now, like, every DJ tries to be kind of like that. But I think he was kind of 
one of the first people to to do that um so that's just what that is uh based on uh but first we've got uh what's truth got to do with it by ike turner tina i love you but if you need to go solo to satisfy yourself artistically i understand i more than understand i respect you for it you were the greatest lover who ever walked the planet i'll always love you ike my work is done here now Rick James and I are going to go found the National Organization for Women. Kind of the the opposite point of view from the Tina Turner film What's Love Got to Do with It. <laughs> uh yeah, I love that the, it's just it is just a simple like 180 of the actual film, but it is it's just so perfect the the way they do it of of Ike Turner being like the ultimate uh feminist and saying like now Rick James and I are going to found the National Organization for Women. <laughs> Just so perfect. Let me ask you, is is this the same Ike and Tina as that joke in Arrested Development where they go to a restaurant and it's like, I'll have the Ike and Tina tuna? I think so. Okay. I, I don't remember that episode offhand, but I'm sure it must be. It's the um, same. It's, it's right at... As she says that, the woman goes platter platter, and that's when she says, "I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it." Okay. Like, oh, yes. okay. So it's that joke. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I remember that line. Um. But yeah. But yeah. So like before Tina Turner was like a famous singer on her own, she was with Ike Turner, and they were they were. I think they. Were, I think the n whole name of their group was Ike and Tina and the Ikeettes or something. <laughs> No, well, no, you're, let me, you're, you're pulling my leg here. Hold really? on. Wait, yes. Yeah, yeah, I just Googled it. Ike and Tina Turner and the Ikeettes. That's, I can't, I can't. That's, <laughs> you can't do this to me. So, pro, you, you know, you, you could see why she might want to uh, go solo if she was performing under a name like that. <laughs> now, if I can ask you about the next one, the next clip. Okay. It's the share clip, right? Yes. You no good You, you piece of Kiss my white feminine toned and tattooed <laughs> this... Is that a reference to something? <laughs> I don't know if it's a reference to like a specific thing that Cher did or just they were just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if Cher did this? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a specific uh, thing that they're referencing. But I, I just love the Anytime there's just like a long bleep uninterrupted, it's so simple but so hilarious. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe someone will write in and correct me, but as far as I know, it was just like, yeah, let's have share uh, just cuss out uh, Jay because that would be funny. So then, uh, oh yeah, Jay puts on what I believe is a Willie Nelson uh, wig to uh, sing his tribute to women in film. To all the girls I've loved on screen. For instance, Stephen King's Christine. There will be no more singing tonight. Thank you, God. And I was like, oh, we're going to get an original song? Like, that definitely makes this clip show worth watching. But, uh, but sure enough, it gets interrupted after, like, the first line. Uh, the terrorists that we saw earlier finally make their move. They basically, uh, they take over the show. Uh, they say no more singing, and Doris is like, oh, thank God. Duke 
immediately showing his true colors, <laughs> persuades one of the uh, terrorists to let him out, being like, look, I got to go get the money, so I, you, you got to let me out. So they do, and he just... He pushes a little kid off a bike and is just like very slowly getting away. Uh, I loved that. And then the terrorists, which I had, I I really like this joke. They ask him to continue entertaining them with clips, and he calls him efficient yet economical. <laughs> right, which is uh, true. Um, so we get, and then I recognize this clip. This is from the very first episode. Um, Marlon Brando in Family Affair, the motion picture. Buffy, Zodi, for your lunch, I have made peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Would you make a sandwich for my doll, Mrs. Beasley? Yeah, sure. That's exactly what I feel like doing. Of course, I can get together a little sandwich for your stupid little doll. Hang on a sec. I remember, like, watching it and then remembering it later. I was like, oh, that was a funny Mr. Belvedere parody. Cause... I, I, you took the words out of my mouth because <laughs> okay. that is the one uh, sitcom butler I know, Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, uh, but no, it is not Mr. Belvedere. It is Family Affair, which was... Uh, actually, my <laughs> my dad told me about this because he, he used to watch Family Affair and he told me about it. It was a show uh, in the 60s. Um, and then, yeah, Mr. French was, yeah, the the butler of the family. So, oh, yeah, played by Sebastian Cabot, who kind of looks like Marlon Brando. He's like this big, like bearded, uh, uh, jolly looking uh, actor. Um so now remind me back when this came out brando hadn't done the island of doctor or whatever that oh movie's um, the one where he just completely ruined the production uh maybe not i don't know exactly when that came out but it probably was before this um because yeah as far as this show cares he marlon brando was just in the godfather and apocalypse now um and he's fat yeah, and he's fat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, um, but so yeah, uh, family affair, but still, still really funny. Still works if you're like, oh, that was Mr. Belvedere. Like, whatever. That's not the important part. Then we get uh, the the movie with uh, Clint Eastwood and an orangutan. Ooh, someone's kissing me. It must be a beautiful woman. Now I'll make sweet love to you while keeping my eyes closed the whole time. Clyde, which is based off a real movie called Every Which Way But Loose, with actually Clint Eastwood teaming up with uh, a monkey. Right, which they also parody in that clip later on when they pair him with a bunch of weird people, and then Schwarzenegger oh. shows up and is like, <laughs> "I'm paired with Siamese twins, uh, a couch, and a second-rate mime." It's like, "Hey, I'm in a box. I'm in a box." And it explodes. <laughs> I think about this joke a lot. But yeah. I really like the one where it's like, ooh, it must be a beautiful woman kissing me. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll make sweet love to you while keeping my eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> like, he wouldn't have noticed just, like, how hairy the orangutan is. Whatever. Um, uh, but, yeah, luckily they don't go that far. Uh, though, if it, if this was a Family Guy joke, you know they would have. They would have. They would have. Oh, yeah. It, it would And he would have come back, and, like, ten <laughs> minutes later, they would have called back to it. Or we would have like, seen them, like, at home with, like, half-human, half-monkey babies yeah. running around. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you would have been like, mm, that was kind of funny the first time. But you know what? Keep trying. Maybe yeah. it'll be funny the third one. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean like Family Guy. A lot of great jokes, but sometimes they really just like to run it to the ground. Yeah. Man, how has that show lasted like 15 years and, and this show can only get two seasons? I mean, I feel like that's exactly... We kind of nailed the reason why is because Family Guy... It's kind of like a joke machine, you know? You know, they make a lot of jokes. If it doesn't work, you know, they move on. Yeah. In the critics, some of the best jokes are really tied to the characters. Like, my favorite character is Franklin. I love Franklin. Mm -hmm. But if you don't like Franklin, that's 15% of the jokes just out of the window. If you don't like Peter, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter because there's jokes where Peter doesn't act like Peter. There's jokes where Lois doesn't act like Lois, you know? Yeah. The only joke in Family that Guy that I can think of and this is to their credit, because it's really hard to make a joke machine like they did. Uh, the only joke that's tied to a character, in my opinion, is like the fact that everyone hates Meg. That's like the only right. recurring character joke. But they took that joke so far, it's like not even funny anymore. Just because like they're just so abusive to her. Yeah, and, and I've seen some recent episodes, and you can tell that they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Because it's like, <laughs> we've, run, we've run that joke for, to the ground. And you know, kudos to them. They find they find ways to like every episode. It's like a kind of reinvention of the show. Yeah, uh, the critic just isn't built for that. You know, the critic tried to do the Simpsons, and just not really try to do the Simpsons, but try to do a Simpsons-like show. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing that every other Simpsons-like show after the Simpsons realizes that if they just try to do the Simpsons, they'll fail. Right. Which is again why Family Guy has succeeded. And I think this was still when, like, the idea of adult animation or animated sitcoms was still pretty new. Like, The Simpsons, of course, was a runaway success. And uh, I don't know if there were any other, like, like hugely successful animated sitcoms at the time. I mean, there was, like, God, what was it? I know there was, like, Duckman, I think, was around oh, the I, same I know, time. Yeah, I remember Duckman. But, but also, it's like... What happens after this success is that everyone tries to do their version of it, even if they're not meant to do a version of it. Which is like, whenever I think about the fact that the critic was an ABC, of course they were gonna get canceled after a season. Like ABC, and they ABC had just been acquired by Disney, hadn't they? Like, oh maybe I, I I'm not sure. Or we're about to like that's not ABC's vibe. It's like how after Game of Thrones, every single network tried to do their Game of Thrones without realizing right. that like. There are things in Game of Thrones that only work because it's on HBO. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Vikings. <laughs> you can't do this. Sorry. <laughs> uh, actually, I know someone who's a huge Vikings fan. No offense to him. Um, I also do. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, all right. So then uh, we see Jeremy Hawk at, in Crocodile Gandhi. That joke kind of writes itself. We see Hold the Mustard Gas, a silent comedy from the 20s. Now, I I forget what the original context for this clip was, but it wasn't like something that Jay was reviewing on his show. It was like they were flashing back to World War II or something for some reason. It might have been a Franklin or something episode. Oh, could be, yeah. Oh, and that, that reminds me too, the, the other kind of weakness of this episode, no Franklin. Or, or, um, fuck, what's his name? His, his mom, the mom, fuck. Yeah, Eleanor. Eleanor, of course. Yeah. I, I just spent 
15 minutes glorifying the show and i forgot the character i mean no frank no no franklin no eleanor uh his sister doesn't say anything even though she's there doris yeah. is barely used. <laughs> she gets a few good lines in there's like yeah. i think we just went through my favorite line of hers which is uh where he's no no it's coming out where he's like okay kill me but let my audience go and she <laughs> goes that that's right kill him and let us go yeah um alice's only line is like jay thank god you're okay like at the yeah. end like eh. i guess that's you know with all those clips you know you can't really make room for that but uh anyway mm-hmm. oh the, okay the next one i really love the uh ghostbusters 3 with the giant ed koch oh my god save yourselves new york is being destroyed by an 80 foot ed koch how am i doing how am i doing how am i doing all right, then we finally take a break from the clips. We get uh, Duke Phillips on the um, on the tropical island, or he, you know, he's on the beach sipping a, a cocktail. And then when he gets the tab, he it, we get a you know a callback to what he did earlier. He he kicks a kid off of a goat and rides the goat away. I'll never pay for anything. <laughs> Duke Phillips is literally a character. Uh, I think the definition of before his time is perfect for Duke Phillips because if Duke Phillips were a character today, he would probably, I mean, billionaires. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Duke Phillips would be a very popular character today. I mean, yeah. With, with like Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk, like Duke Phillips would, would fit right in. The thing that I always think about is like, I'm surprised there hasn't been conversations about bringing the critic back. You know, mm-hmm. well, with considering how much how, how much they're into bringing stuff back nowadays. Yeah. And I feel like I'm glad they haven't because uh, Charles Napier is dead and Doris Grau is dead. And I don't think you can bring anyone to replace uh, Charles Napier as Duke. There's something about his voice for Duke that's just like irreplaceable. That, that Oh, whole, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got like random lines inscribed upon my brain just because of the way he says it like in the all the dukes man episode where it's like i've got the republicans running from the nomination i i got that line <laughs> burned into my brain just because charles napier said it like that wow uh awesome <laughs> just going back to like the critic kind of being ahead of its time like when they did the webisodes and i'm sure i'll talk about this a bit more on the actual webisode uh episode but like they did those in 2000 like that was before like cartoons on the internet were really a thing. Like if right. they had done the crit, if they had brought back the critic to do webisodes in like the YouTube era, like I'm sure it would have been a lot more successful probably. Oh, definitely without, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the problem with the webisodes is you're probably going to talk about it, but the budget is so low. And oh yeah. There's just no none of the and, and here we go again. Here we come back to like why the critic got canceled, but Family Guy continues because the webisodes don't have the secondary cast. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't remember that well, but there's no Alice, there's no Duke, there's no Doris. I don't know if Doris Grau is still alive by by this point. I think the only one that comes back is Vlada, mm, and okay. so you kind of just get like this very light, unoffensive version of the critic. Yeah. <laughs> so you just it's just like, you know, eh, that that's what's missing. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, I I'll confess I've only watched the first webisode so far and um I'm not really looking forward to the rest, but I'm doing it for you listeners. <laughs> I'm doing it for you. Um 
All right. So, um, okay. So, oh yeah. So after Duke rides away, that's kind of the next act break. Uh, when we come back, we get to uh, a news bulletin. Uh, the uh, TV anchor says, like everyone is like you know watching the situation. They're all they're all with Jay. They're supporting him. <laughs> and then they just they show a picture of Jay outweighing the entire <laughs> band of Los, Los Lobos. Lobos. That uh, was good. Yeah. Um, and then finally we get like you know the proverbial ticking clock. They uh, the terrorists strap a bomb to Jay that's going to go off in uh, half an hour. Uh, but undeterred, Jay's like, all right, let's watch some more clips. Uh, so we get, uh, so this is where we get Al Pacino in Scent of a Jackass. Oh, and then he lets the terrorist introduce the uh, next clip. Why don't you introduce the next clip? All right. Like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, Jerry Lewis tries a dramatic role in Schenectady. In a really well-animated moment. Yeah, he does such a good job. Uh, I think Eleanor tears up uh, yeah. in the audience. But he introduces uh, Schenectady with Jerry Lewis, basically the uh, parody of Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. I I watched Philadelphia last year. Uh, so this is my first time watching this clip with the knowledge of having watched Philadelphia. And I have to appreciate the levels through which they took the parody. Like you got the fucking camera angles. You got the freaking oh, yeah. camera angles. Uh, you got the Mary Steen version. They even went to the point of like, the judge is voiced by Charles Napier, who plays the judge in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Which That's is a awesome. really good, cool detail. <laughs> it's just, I think the only thing was missing was a Demi close-up with Jerry Lewis looking into the camera. Uh, <laughs> would have been weird if Tom Hanks had done that <laughs> in yeah. the uh, original film. No, he does. He does. It's oh, oh, he does. Oh, yeah, the Demi close-up is the name oh. of, a, of a technique where Jonathan Demi does, where he has the actors look straight in, into camera. So he does that in Silence of the Lambs. He does that in Philadelphia. He does that in uh, his remake of Manchurian Candidate. It's really cool. It, it's meant to like emphasize the connection between the actor and the audience, as if you can't look away from them. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. All right. I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to watch Philadelphia one of these days. It's Philadelphia, good movie. Might have aged a little bit badly because it. It's Philadelphia is one of those. It's. It's a very movie of its time, not because it has like an antiquated view or anything like that, but because you can tell Jonathan Demme made it because he felt bad about what he did with Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, got you it. You know where he was like, I fucked up. Jonathan Demme probably the most like cool guy ever but he felt like he fucked up and so he did philadelphia and i still love philadelphia i think it's a fantastic movie. yeah well philadelphia was also kind of what made tom hanks into a, a serious actor right like, right before that it was all like the money pit and turner and hooch and all these like ridiculous comedies the thing that always annoys me a little bit about philadelphia and it's not the movie it's the reaction is that the person who got the biggest boost of it was tom hanks and not denzel washington because mm. Tom Hanks is great in Philadelphia, but this in Washington is off the fucking charts. Like what he does in that movie is insane. And it, a listener, if you're interested, uh, check out Jonathan Demme's remake of Manchuria Candidate. It's not as popular as the original. I not I have not seen the original. I can't say if it's as good as the original, but I really like it. Another Desert Washington movie he made. Cool. Um, yeah, I've not seen the remake, but I have seen the original. It, it's kind of a, a classic. Um, 
yeah, like black and white, like Cold War. Right. Yeah, he, very he good. He does, in my opinion, he does a really good job updating it to the context of post 9-11 America. So you got Meryl Streep playing the role, I think, is Angela Lansbury, who plays it in the original. Yeah. Uh, but she plays it much more like Hillary Clinton. And you can t- definitely tell that Jonathan Demme is like working in the area of like cable news. Uh, mm-hmm. what exactly does the Meryl Streep character want? There's some stuff that gets changed about his origin story. It's really great. It's it. I thought it was a great movie. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out too. <laughs> uh, so then, okay, so then this is where we get to Howard Stern's end. Yes. Uh, with just, yeah, just Howard Stern in like Victorian England kind of writes itself. Uh, oh, the police outside the uh, theater kind of interrupt to say that America is with Jay. <laughs> so Jay, uh, to show his appreciation, <laughs> goes up to the camera and gives everyone a big kiss. And as a result, the terrorist puts uh, two minutes on the timer. <laughs> I love that. I love that joke. And then he just goes and does this right rapid fire of clips. Yes. Which is great. Yeah, very short, very simple. Uh, Edward Plunger hands. Which is a fantastic joke. <laughs> of him just cleaning it and he just looks like, please kill me. Yeah. That's just a, a great joke. Yeah. Um, very simple, but like, yeah, can you do a better one? Probably no, not. It's just yeah. like to the point. And again, any other show, they probably would have run that joke over several times. Yeah. Uh, then we get R- Robo Clapper. So like RoboCop, if he was also the clapper mm-hmm. home alone five which i think the actual home alone series may be up to part five now i think it is i think it is um <laughs> and then keanu reeves in the merchant of venice beach hath not a dude eyes if you prick us do we not get bummed if you poison us do we not blow chunks which i thought if they're gonna do a, a keanu reeves one they should have done the speed parody where he can't read the Dr. Seuss book. Right. I thought that Two was so much funny. Fish. <laughs> Red. It's Redfish, you idiot. Dude, now I've lost my place. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I think it's funny how our opinion, I mean, I say our opinion, but like people's opinion of Keanu Reeves has like done a 180. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? He was the dude <laughs> guy, and I was like, Keanu Reeves, he's like a, a soulful per- actor who brings... <laughs> It's just fascinating to me how you can just switch, you know? Yeah. He definitely, I think he got uh, a bit more mature. He, I don't know, for all I know, took actual acting lessons. But, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, compared to the beginning of his career, it's like night and day. Uh, so we get oh, Robin Williams as the Beige Fairy in Pinocchio. Okay, of all the movie parodies, this is the one I wish they would turn into an actual movie. Rocky Six, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four. Right. Like right. I would love to see Rocky fight Leatherface in a boxing ring. That'd be insane. I mean, considering the way things are going with movies like Space Jam Two, where they put like Ken Russell's The Devil's Nuns in the background of a <laughs> Looney Tunes movies, you might as well get it in the future. You know. Yeah. Um. And then I'm fi- I'm glad we did also get some Orson Welles uh, in this episode. Uh, it's the the Rosebud Frozen Peas commercial. Rosebud. Yes, Rosebud Frozen Peas, full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. I quit. Just a handful for the road. Mm, mm, mm. 
Oh, what luck. There's a French fry stuck in my beard. Oh, yeah. Which I think this might also be from the pilot. Uh, I think it goes back that far, but... Mm, I, I don't know if it's the pilot because the I think it might be the second one. Okay, right? that's possible. Yeah. I just know that in the episode with the penguin and where they end up on the island, that also has Orson Welles, but that's with the... Um, the fish the living sticks. Will, the living will. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They're <laughs> even better raw. But yeah, I'm glad we get the uh, rosebud frozen peas. So then, <laughs> uh, then we get uh, Jay's uh, student film, La Artiste et Mort. Prometheus. Prometheus. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, so great. All right. Then there's <laughs> there's one minute on the timer left, and then the Jay finally points out to the terrorist like wait, aren't you going to blow up too? So they, uh, (laughs) Jay chases the guy around. Uh, Marty is like, yeah, dad, Dad, take take it with you. (laughs) That's a really good one. And then finally a ninja drops down from the ceiling and just like beats up everyone with Kung Fu. And right before he's going to finish off the lead guy. Wait, before you render me unconscious, I must know your true identity. So lithe, so nimble, master of ninjutsu. Oh, it's Milton Burl. Who are you expecting, Madonna? Yeah, it's me, Burl. Now say goodnight to your Uncle Milty. I love the way that the terrorist reacts with like, oh, it's Milton Burl. <laughs> <laughs> like he's disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one reference I did get because I watched a lot of Muppet Show when I was a kid. Okay. So I knew a lot about... <laughs> Old, old comedians from the 70s so yeah <laughs> uh, i i was i was really happy when i saw milton burl and that is actually milton burl yeah doing a, a guest voice and what a random uh guest to get but uh i'm glad they did um promoting his book yes his book more of the best of milton burl's private joke file which is an actual <laughs> book and like they like i googled up the book and it's a really oh, wow. accurate recreation of the cover <laughs> yeah, my um so my dad's side of the family is uh Jewish and um my grandfather uh had a, a ton of books and he had um a few different joke books that I remember reading as a kid. I don't think he had any Milton Berle, but uh I definitely remember reading like yeah, books of like famous quotes and uh just yeah, just random joke books. Uh so uh, uh, so yeah, books like that uh, definitely exist, and um, at least I read them. I don't know if <laughs> anyone else did. I but... hope it has my favorite, um, my absolute favorite uh, Milton Berle joke, which is from that Muppet Show episode when he's uh, being heckled by Sattler and Waldorf. And I think in that episode, he wrote the jokes for them, but there's a joke where, I, I don't know if it's Sattler or Waldorf, but one of them is like, Hey, Burl, uh, you work like a young Gregory Peck. And Milton Burl is like, well, thank you. What? Wait, Gregory Peck is not a comedian. And then Sadler just goes, well? And then just <laughs> 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 it's just, it, that's, if you, like, that's just good comedy, the, the, the scene where they, he gets heckled by Sadler and Waldorf. This was really good. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, oh, yeah, so Jay asks uh, Milton Burl to disarm the bomb and it's like milton bro's like yeah bombing is easy i've done it a million times or or whatever he says <laughs> a bomb um, in miami a bomb in new york <laughs> uh 
Uh, so um, he snips the bomb like right as it hits zero. Unfortunately, it is too late because the, the bomb starts like beeping rapidly. So uh, he just says, run like hell. And then we get like, yeah, this big action moment scene or the, yeah, this big action movie moment of uh, everyone just like, you know, jumping out of the building as it blows up behind them. And then I love we get just just an old Irish cop showing up well well jay sherman and his band of hooligans did you blow up carnegie hall yes officer o'malley well i'll let you off this time but do it again and i'll box your ears now off with you they're good kids is is that a reference to something it has to be a reference to something it is definitely like a sort of stock character i want to say from like the little rascals are like Dennis the Menace of like the kindly old Irish cop who's like, oh, Dennis, what are you up to now? <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely, you know, not a specific reference, but it, it's just a type of character that that everyone kind of knows. The the kindly old Irish cop who's just like, oh, you know, run along, you kids. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we get uh, that little scene. So everyone ends up at uh, Lane Reesh. Just you know, Jay's just default place to hang out. <laughs> if your if your first choice blows up, yeah, you, you go to Lane Reesh. And then Duke comes in with my favorite line: "The ratings were spectacular. I was well rewarded for my cowardice and greediness." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just saying it, uh, just putting it straight, because uh, he absolutely was. Um, uh, Jay thanks Milton Berle, who <laughs> reads another dumb joke about the. The burglar breaking two windows. One to come in, one to come out. And yeah. then he's like, stick to ninjutsu, and that's it. And credits, yeah. Wait, hold on. I just want to say, I love the critic theme song. Um, the first time I went to New York in my life, uh, when I was about to land, I put on the critic theme song because that is ah. New York for me. I love <laughs> that song. That was my alarm for a solid three years, but I had to stop because I was getting annoyed by it. I I think when when that violin comes, the credits theme, God, Hans Zimmer, if you're listening to this, please just <laughs> make that credits theme available because when that violin hits, I'm just filled with warm feelings and joy. It's like one of my favorite themes of all time. Wow, wow. Well, then I I have to ask, have you heard uh, Rhapsody in Blue by? I have, I have. Okay, okay. I I saw the Fantasia 2000 <laughs> segment on it. But yeah, I know it's it's based on Rhapsody in Blue, but there's something about this theme and about that shot at the opening, you know, like lights on New York City and you just hear like, doo, 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 and I know that they're doing Rhapsody in Blue, but there's something about the way the critic does it. And I feel like if they ever bring back the critic, which again, I don't think they should because the, the, the secret sauce is the characters and there's a lot of like voice actors who are not here with us anymore, unfortunately. But yeah. the instant I see that shot again, like lights on New York City and I hear that I will just cry I will cry immediately oh. because that is that is New York City to me it says the guy who's been there twice <laughs> <laughs> wow well I mean like I said I don't think I've ever met anyone more obsessed with the the critic than I am because I cannot beat that <laughs> um it's 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 like a show that was made for it's like a show that was made for for people who are obsessed with movies in this very specific way with people who are like, there's something about the way that this this show talks about movies that's very endearing, you know. Mm -hmm. Going on a complete, a slightly different tangent, but there used to be this ride at Walt Disney World called the Great Movie Ride, 
And the critic and the great movie ride, they both share this like endearing love for cinema where you could easily see somebody using this silly show as like a springboard to see better movies. Like I saw a bunch of movies because I saw them on the critic, you know, um, misery. I saw because of the critic. Cause I, well, <laughs> I realized that the second episode is a misery parody. Yeah. So I, I feel like this show kind of speaks to that, that person inside me that love that loves to go to a movie theater and just, you know, sit down and watch a good movie. Uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm slowly getting back to going back to the movies. You know, I reactivated my AMC account, uh, I'm going to watch movies on Saturday, Sunday, and there's no no better feeling than like sitting down with a, with a bunch of popcorn <laughs> and you're like, hey, entertain magic screen on the wall, entertain me <laughs> for two hours. And I think that's something the the critic really gets at. Yeah, no, absolutely. This show is really all about just the movies and why they're so great. You know, as seen through Jay, who like you know the 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 kind of the irony at the center of this show is that Jay loves the movies, but he always gets stuck reviewing bad ones, like ones with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Keanu Reeves. But uh, yeah, I also have not, I've not been back to the movies yet. I want to go. Yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll go will, soon. Right? I'm sure. You yeah, will. I'm sure I will. Like uh, like um, no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh well, I was just gonna say that that brings us to the end of uh, the episode. Um, just yeah, any any other thoughts you had about it? I'll make I'll make my final words the same words as Jay Sherman in that episode where he teaches uh English for taxi drivers. <laughs> um if the movie blows, just don't go. <laughs> yes. Right? That's what he says, right? Yes, Cause, absolutely. Cause, because Franklin then goes, if the movie blows, do see do. <laughs> uh well, is there anything you would like to plug? Yes, if you enjoyed watching me talk obsessively about animation, I host, I co-host a podcast called Full Metal Analysts. It analyzes each and every episode of the Japanese anime show Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, we make our episodes short, sweet, to the point, just like the jokes in the critic. So we kind of see it as as like a watch along companion for anyone who's watching it for the first time or binging it all over again. Uh, if you like, my Twitter is at Michelle Lichon. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I-C-H-A-N as in Navy D. I don't post a lot, but you'll get to see my face. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so that is that is a wrap on the critics uh, television episodes, but uh, we've still got a little more critic content to go. So I'm going to be doing... Uh, the uh, Simpsons crossover episode. I'm doing all the webisodes in one podcast, and then, and then who knows uh, if I can um, get like more people who worked on the show to uh, sit down for an interview. I will do that. Uh, but otherwise, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, but yeah, Michelle, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. This this uh, was so much fun meeting another critic super fan. Uh, I, I always love getting to do that. And uh, yeah, I hope you all join us next week for the next episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at It Stinks Pod. 